0: W-D-B-M, East Lansing.
1: Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boodoo
0: and Daniel Puentes.
1: There is so much different research going on out there in regards to cancer. It's something that is just a little bit out of reach on how do we cure cancer. Today we're talking to Zach Miller about his research in cancer. Thanks for joining us today, Zach. May you please tell us about yourself and your research?
2: My name is Zach Miller, and over the past about year and a half or so, I have been pursuing cancer research with Dr. Brian Smith at Michigan State University. And so in my research, I was evaluating a therapeutic window in 3D cell viability for cancer. And so to kind of talk about that a little bit more, therapeutic window is pretty much a range between a minimum effective dose and a maximum tolerable dose. And so we want our, the drug that we're chasing to fall between that range, so then we can precisely kill the cell off in an in vivo study, which in vivo is a living organism. And so we actually started doing that in mice. And so 3D cell viability is pretty much looking at a cell more three-dimensional than 2D, which is typically done under a microscope.
0: Thanks for joining us today, Zach. When you were introducing your work, you were talking about the importance of this therapeutic window and its importance in killing off the cancer cells. But let's just take a step back for a second. How do cancer cells differ from the ones in our body?
2: So normally cells grow and divide, and when they become abnormal or get old, they die. But cancer cells are found when those abnormal cells don't die off and instead multiply, leading to some treatable issues, but in often cases, some non-treatable issues which would oftentimes end up in death if it is a bad enough type of cancer.
1: And that drug that Daniel was just talking about with a the therapeutic window. Can you tell us more about that? And what does it do specifically?
2: So a therapeutic window is pretty much a range where you want to, in our case, we use doxorubicin, which is a cancer killing drug. You want your dosage of that drug to fall between the minimum effective dose and the maximum tolerable dose, like I had said before. And if you can find that range, then you can precisely kill off a cancer cell. So doxorubicin is a cancer-killing drug commonly found in chemotherapies. And the way in which it affects cancer cells is it induces DNA breaks within various cancers by inhibiting the activity of topoisomerase II, which cleaves both strands of DNA in a double helix.
0: We've talked about chemotherapy before on the show, but never about a specific drug. What are the pros and cons for this particular drug and other side effects?
2: I would say that some pros are that it's been historically researched and proven that it does kill various types of cancers, such as bladder, breast, stomach, lungs, and ovaries, and many other types of cancers. The cons would come from if you give a patient too little of the doxorubicin or too much of it. In that case, you can cause major issues to organs. They would have drug resistance to to the drug, which is pretty much your body becoming immune to the drug and it would no longer react to it. So in that case, doxorubicin wouldn't have any effect on the body. So we want the amount of doxorubicin to be a pro and in that case fall within the therapeutic window of our research.
1: So I recall, maybe it was a year ago at this point, we had interviewed someone that they were focused more on the computer side of everything where they were modeling how different drugs could be repurposed. And that was interesting because it was more like done with computers, but you're doing this research inside of the lab. I know that you had said you were working with animals, but I also know that some researchers go through the steps of working with cell lines, then with animals, maybe even a few various types of animals before they're even allowed to go into human studies. What are the steps with your research and what have you done so far with it?
2: So I began my research using 2D cell viability, which is underneath a microscope. You're looking at how you can dose different cells on a 2D level to see how it affects them. And I'd say I'd done that about a year ago, maybe a little over. And with the help of a mentor one-on-one, Yepe Zhang, she was able to help me transition into 3D cell viability, which we used a program on the computer to help us find or use doxorubicin's dosing on various cancer cells. To see how it would react more in a 3D system, which our body is three dimensional. And so we transitioned from a 2D under a microscope to the 3D, and we have actually started injecting mice with this cancer chemotherapy via nanoparticle loading that Dr. Brian Smith, my principal investigator, had released a paper on previously. And so I guess I've been a part of all three of those phases, which has been pretty eye opening.
0: Speaking from a physics standpoint, I know things can get a lot more complicated when you move from two-dimensional to three-dimensional space, so I can imagine how much computation is needed. You said that you have started injecting these mice with the doxorubicin, but earlier you had also mentioned how this drug could be used to treat various different types of cancers. Do the mice have all the same types of cancer, or is it varying between different mice populations?
2: So in my study, I looked at two different cancer cell lines. BT549 and 4T1, which BT549 is doc-sensitive and 4T1 is non-doc-sensitive, and that just pretty much refers to how quickly a cell line reaches its IC50 determines its sensitivity. So an IC50, it indicates how much drug is necessary to inhibit a biological process by half, and so pretty much if you can reduce biological processes by half, you've effectively killed the cancer cell line. So, in this case, BT549 being doc-sensitive would mean that it takes less doxorubicin to kill off that cancer cell line because it's more sensitive to doxorubicin, whereas the 4T1 cell line is non-doc sensitive, so it would take more doxorubicin in order to effectively kill off that cancer cell line. And both of these cancer cell lines that I studied were breast cancer cell lines. And the BT-5491, for instance, is a human cell line.
1: Okay, Zach, that makes a lot of sense to me that your two different cell lines are comparing how it's reacting to the doxorubicin. You had said something about, like, nanoparticle loading. Can you explain a little bit more what you meant by that?
2: Yeah, so in a paper previously published by my principal investigator, Dr. Brian Smith, he was able to figure out a way to monitor drug release, which in this case would be doxorubicin, using a nanocomposite. And so within that nanocomposite, we see there is an iron oxide and a PLGA core shell, which was made or fabricated in lab, and doxorubicin was loaded into it by way of diffusion, which serves as a delivery system and an MPI release tracer, which is magnetic particle imaging. And so when a nanoparticle is exposed to an acidic environment, such as our bodies, the PLGA breaks down while simultaneously breaking apart iron oxide clusters that the shell is made out of, and it would release doxorubicin. You can measure this quantitatively by monitoring the signal from the MPI. So PLGA is polylactic co-glycolic acid, and it's used in therapeutic devices because of its biodegradability. And so pretty much this is just used as the shell of our nanoparticle because it can degrade in the body without causing any harm to the body. And so it just gives us structure for the nanoparticle, which would degrade inside the body, ultimately releasing what's inside. And in this case, doxorubicin. Since the, gra- the gradual disassembly of iron oxide clusters enhances that signal, we're able to monitor it and adjust to the correct amount of doxorubicin to precisely attack a cancer cell line, which is the part that we're investigating.
0: So you have these two different cell lines, one that's sensitive to doxorubicin and one that's not. But the whole point of your work is to identify what is the therapeutic window for this drug when it comes to the impact it will have on these different cells. If that's the case, then why do you have a cell line that's not sensitive to doxorubicin at all?
2: So what we wanted to do was to find a therapeutic window that would effectively kill both cell lines with a certain dose range of doxorubicin. And so using a doc-sensitive cell line would mean that it would set the front parameter of that therapeutic window. So it would be quicker to kill that cancer cell line, while the non-doc-sensitive cell line would set the ladder of that therapeutic window. And so what I was able to find is that the BT549 cell line shows an IC50 that is tenfold higher than that of the 4T1 cell line. So what that means is in order to effectively kill the BT549 cell line in the same manner that we can effectively kill the 4T1 cell line, we would need to add 10 times more doxorubicin to that cell. And so pretty much having a dox sensitive and a non dox sensitive would give you the parameters of a therapeutic window to be able to kill both cancer cell lines with the same dosing.
1: Whenever you're growing these cells, they're all on a dish or a flask. Either way, they're not in the body of someone or even an animal. In the future, whenever you inject these nanoparticles that are coated with the PGLA and have the doxorubicin inside of it, how will those nanoparticles know exactly where in the body to go?
2: So the nanoparticle will be injected and it will just go through the body of the organism. And you can almost think of MPI as a steering device a magnetic steering device for the nanoparticles. You have a low MPI signal from that device while the nanoparticles are loaded. And because MPI can be used as an imaging device, you can image the body while in low frequency or low low MPI signal. And then when it gets, because you know where the cancer tumor is, when your nanoparticles are approaching the cancer tumor, you can increase your MPI signal and that would be what induces the degradation of that nanoparticle, and it would pretty much spit out the doxorubicin onto the tumor.
0: We talked a little bit earlier about how these two different cell lines can be used to find your upper and lower window for this therapeutic window. When it comes to the work that you're doing, however, how precise do you actually determine the upper and lower limits for this window?
2: So using a program called GraphPad Prism, I was able to precisely obtain an IC50 for each cell line, which gave me precise values or precise concentrations of doxorubicin that would give me those values. So I would say the precision's dependent on that program, but it's been used in release studies before, so I would say that it's a pretty precise indicator of those values.
1: Well, Zach, this was really interesting talking to you about this. I look forward to seeing where this research goes in the future with mice and hopefully then with future trials with humans. Thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you. It's an honor to be able to share research, especially coming to MSU wanting to do cancer research. It's nice to be able to say that I was able to actually do that. So I appreciate your time and I thank you for having me on here.
1: Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. To hear more about us and learn more about our episodes, check out scifiles.org.
0: If you're a current MSU student that would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us at scifiles at impact89fm.org. We'll catch you next week on the Sci-Files, and remember, the truth is in the science.